0: Hello, and welcome back to the Come Follow Me Bible Challenge. I am Jeremy Howard. I'm the pastor of Orchard Hills Bible Church in Payson, Utah, and glad you're joining me today. We are in the book of Exodus, following along the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Old Testament Sunday School plan, uh, following along with my handy-dandy Pinterest-made lesson sheet whoever made this thank you great job great work and it looks like for the week of april 18th to the 24th exodus 18 through 20 is on the docket and so that's what this is about i recorded my last batch of videos in a And it was a true batch. I think I got like a month ahead. And man, those months just fly by. So sorry, this is a little late in the week. uh, But I'm behind on recording these. And today I'm just going to be recording this one, I think. And we'll be looking just at Exodus chapter 19. So Exodus 19 is where we'll be. And I'm actually going to use Bible Gateway today instead of my Accordance Bible software. Bible Gateway is a great website. And uh, it's real easy to use, and I recommend it. So Bible Gateway is where I will be. And we have this amazing moment here in the uh, life of the nation of Israel. You see that the title here is Moses on Sinai, and down below, the Lord visits Sinai. That's where this chapter is headed, and this is just a very crucial moment in the life of the nation of Israel. There are Certain places that we encounter in our lives, or certain places where we go, certain places where we make memories, that uh, just stick with us. For instance, when um, I proposed to my wife, we were living in Missouri. I proposed to her in Roachport, Missouri, which doesn't sound like a nice place, but it is a nice place. They have they have a winery. It's very fancy. Roachport, Missouri. It's a city right along the Missouri River outside of Columbia. And I proposed to my wife at sunset in Roachport on the Katy trail, right along the Missouri river. And we have this picture of us that some passerby was able to take someone who was riding his bike on the trail, got off, took a picture of us, the sun setting in the background. I mean, just perfect, beautiful. Like, I, I mean, the Lord was just really kind to us. It was just perfect. And, uh, that, place will always be special to me and and i just won't forget the colors of the sky i saw that night the orange and pink and purple uh, and this the, the river right there so peaceful serene so beautiful i'm sure you have lots of places like that that you've experienced that you just can't forget the the smells the appearance uh just the whole experience Well, this is one of those types of moments, one of those types of memories in Israel's history. You have the Lord descending on a mountain, and there's smoke. I'm sure they don't forget the smell of that smoke. There's just this great uh, burst of thunder and all kinds of amazing sights to behold as the Lord is coming down on a mountain. And they're just never going to forget this time. I mean, there's just no way. But the Lord is doing all of this for a very specific reason. So we need to get into the text. Exodus chapter 19. It says that in the third month, after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. When they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. And there Israel camped in front of the mountain. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and, this is very important, how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. That's how God describes his action toward this nation. That's how God describes. Uh, his relationship with them. He bore them on eagle's wings and brought them to himself. Verse 5, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So what a what an amazing proposal here that God has for the nation that if they obey his voice and keep his covenant. Now this is important we want to want to take note of the language that's being used here. If you can remember back in Genesis there was a, a covenant made with Abraham and that was an unconditional covenant. God never said to Abraham if you obey my voice if you keep my covenant, that language was not used with Abraham, then fill in the blank. But to Abraham, it was always, hey, this is what I'm doing with you, and this is what's going to happen, you're going to be blessed, and the whole world is going to be blessed through you. Well, but with Israel, he's saying, look, uh, to be my own possession among the peoples, to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, verse 6, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, to do that, you have to meet the requirements. There's an if, then. This is conditional. You have to obey my voice and keep my covenant. So that is what is being set forth. Verse 7. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, <laughs> listen to how naive these people are, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. Now that's that's a great disposition to have. That's a great uh, heart to have. But that is not an accurate understanding of our own capacities. Because remember, what did the Lord say? Obey my voice and keep my covenant. Well, we we know that we're pretty good at breaking laws. We're not super good at keeping laws, right? Well, nevertheless, they say, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Middle of verse 8 here. And Moses brought back the words... Of the people to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud, so that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Verse 10, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments. And let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Beware that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, They shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people and they washed their garments. He said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. Lots of instructions here about how to prepare themselves for this meeting. So it came about on the third day. This is verse 16. It came about on the third day when it was morning that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound you think they forgot the, the key or the note with that trumpet? I'm sure they, they could remember the people who were there. I mean, this is just an amazing thing. A very loud trumpet sound. So that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. <laughs> to be brought out of the camp to meet God. Oh my, what a moment. Okay, here it is. This, is. this is what it's all been leading up to, verse, starting at verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down, warn the people, so that they do not break through to the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, or else the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds about the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Go down and come up again, you and Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, for he will break forth upon them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Now that is just a very, very interesting scene there, isn't it? Very interesting. What are some takeaways here? Well, uh, if you want to read some commentary on this from Moses himself, you can go to Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, he recounts this time. It's actually in a few places in Deuteronomy. But in Deuteronomy 5, he talks about this time where Israel met the Lord. And what you have here is Israel making a covenant not with the fathers of this generation, but with this generation themselves. Moses says that specifically in Deuteronomy 5. He wasn't making a covenant with our fathers, but with us. They were the generation that was to go enter into the promised land. They were the generation that was delivered out of Egypt. They were going to be uh, taken into this land that God owns. He says, the earth is mine. (laughs) He gave this land to Israel, and they were to go enter the land. And he was making a covenant with them. This is a conditional covenant. But he's making a covenant with this generation saying, if you obey my voice, if you keep my covenant, and there's going to be a lot outlined in the coming chapters we're going to cover for several weeks here in the future, the stipulations of this covenant that they had to keep. But if you do that, then you'll be a holy nation. You'll be a kingdom of priests. And uh, and it was just going to be this amazing relationship, right? All they had to do was obey the voice of the Lord and, and keep his covenant. Spoiler alert, they couldn't do that. I'm sure you, you knew that already. Uh, it, it wasn't going to happen. Uh, it was never going to happen. Israel was never going to be able to obey the voice of their Lord perfectly, which is what God requires. They were never going to be able to keep the covenant. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, Israel was always destined to to fail in this covenant. Nevertheless, you have God here saying, I'm giving you this, I'm I'm going to make you a kingdom, I'm going to make you a nation, if, 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 if you obey. And uh, this is the initiation of that covenant. You know what comes next in chapter 20. It's the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, God outlines the Ten Commandments, which is not the entire law. It is a a decent summation, of course, of, of the law, but... There are a lot of laws that we're going to see in the following chapters that go well beyond the Ten Commandments. And he gives them the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 himself, directly. Israel hears the voice of the Lord. They they hear God speaking these commandments to them, which is just another amazing thing. Do you, do you think they ever forgot what the Lord sounded like? No way. No way. So... They have this really intimate interaction with God, and it actually says, uh, again going to Deuteronomy 5, that they experienced God face-to-face, but if you remember what I was just reading, they were not allowed to gaze upon the Lord, and so when you see face-to-face in the Old Testament, don't just jump to, oh, that means that they were looking at another face, and their face was squared up with another face, and they were interacting, because that's how we use the term so often, right? We, let, let's talk face-to-face. We'll say something like that. And that's what we mean. But obviously here, that's not what Moses meant in Deuteronomy 5 when he was talking about the Exodus 19 and 20 event. They were not gazing upon the Lord. But they had this intimate interaction with the immaterial, eternal, omnipresent God. They had this such an intimate interaction with him that it could be called face-to-face. Because God isn't only immaterial which he is he's not only aspatial, meaning he's he's unlimited by um space and time Th- that that's true he, he transcends space and time he's also personal he's also personal so here he is without limits immaterial he is spirit yet he's interacting with them in such an intimate way it can be called face to face Well, let's go ahead and jump over to Exodus 20. Now, I've been talking about Exodus 20 so much, I want to jump over there. The Ten Commandments, that starts uh, right from the get-go. God spoke all these words, saying, and then, boom, goes through the Ten Commandments. And as we scroll down, let's uh, go down to verse 18. This is after the Ten Commandments were given. Exodus 20, verse 18. All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet And the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen, but let not God speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. Then the Lord God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen that I have spoken to you from heaven. You shall not make other gods besides me, gods of silver or gods of gold you shall not make for yourselves. You shall make an altar of earth for me. And you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen, in every place where I cause my name to be remembered. I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stone for me, you shall not build it of cut stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you will profane it. And you shall not go up by steps to my altar so that your nakedness will not be exposed on it. Very specific rules there. Well, this is this is just amazing. Uh, God says through Moses back to the people, you yourselves have seen that I have spoken to you from heaven. You have seen, not heard. Isn't that interesting? It says seen and not heard. You have seen that I have spoken to you from heaven. Wow. Wow. That is so amazing. Uh, the people had requested... This is uh, verse 19. They had requested, let not God speak to us, or we will die. Wow. What an amazing moment in their history. So what can we, people like you and me living today, what can we take away from this? Well, um, the Lord truly is the Lord, isn't he? He is all-powerful. He is almighty. He does whatever he pleases. He demonstrates his power among people, and it's documented for us to read today and to recognize and say, you alone are God, and we submit to you. Uh, that, that's one big takeaway that we should have from this. But I want you to think about this too. Although we are not going to have a Mount Sinai experience, God's not going to do this again where he's going to get a group of people together out of a nation and say, I'm going to make this conditional covenant with you, my nation. Uh, there's, Israel was special in this regard. This was a unique experience at a, at a unique time. Okay, However, we do still encounter God, don't we? And God still comes to us, doesn't he? In fact, we could fast forward you know, 1,400 years or so from this time in Exodus 20, to the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The ultimate encounter that all of humanity has with God is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And in that sense, this now finished work of Jesus, which we can refer to as the gospel, we are all being encountered by God through the message of the gospel. We are all hearing this message, this heavenly message, to which we must respond. But there is a big, big difference. It's not just, uh, I mean, there are lots of differences. And the differences aren't just Israel was a nation and we are individual Americans or wherever you may be living. I mean, th- those are differences. But here's a really, really, really big difference. If we're going to say, what's the top difference between what how God was encountering Israel and Exodus and how God encounters us today through the gospel? Here it is. God doesn't come to us today and say, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, then I'll accept you. Then we will have a special relationship. Then you will enter into some sort of secure relationship with me, your creator. That that is not that is not what God is saying through the gospel. And nope, 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 nope. That's not it. God doesn't present the gospel to us as a conditional covenant. God presents the gospel to us as a free gift of grace where all the work is done. I mean, this is amazing. And when I say all the work is done, I'm, I'm not saying all works that there are in the world. I mean, breathing is a work, right? And I'm not saying you don't have to breathe anymore whenever you, you believe the gospel. Okay, So don't let your mind go to crazy places or make me say something I'm not intending. What I'm saying is that all the work to satisfy justice, all the work to perform righteousness, all of that is done. In fact, the law is totally fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you remember when Jesus was getting baptized and he gave us a very simple statement as to why he was being baptized? He said it was he was being baptized this was happening in order to fulfill all righteousness. What was Jesus's mission in living his life in obeying the Father as he was an incarnate deity, he was a Jew, a Jewish man. What was he doing? Obeying all of all of these commands. He was fulfilling the law. He was fulfilling all righteousness. All the way even to and through his death because the law says the law says cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree and you know what Jesus did he was nailed to a tree and he became a curse for us Jesus Christ became a curse on our behalf the curse that we deserved for not being people who kept the law not one of us he became a curse for us, and he also perfectly lived the law. And so when you believe in Jesus Christ and you enter into relationship with God through the work of Jesus Christ, you are not only receiving a forgiveness of sins, which is putting you at at neutral or at zero, all the negative, all the, all the you know, if you were to think of like a bank account where you're in the negative, I'm getting so many messages right now. Is this my wife? Yeah, it's my wife. Uh... So I'm not going to complain about that. She can message me all she wants. What was I saying? In the gospel, you have a negative account with God. That's where the message starts. You have to recognize, you have to be told in the gospel message that because of your sin, you have a negative account with God. There's a lot of debt that you owe him, and you are not going to be able to pay that back, make that up. It's an infinite negative. You have to accept that. Yet, the gospel message doesn't stop there. It continues. It gives you good news. That's what gospel means. And the good news is that in the person and work of Jesus Christ, not only are you forgiven of your debts and brought back up to zero or neutral, but beyond that, what is necessary and what you are given if you believe is infinite positive. You're given infinite righteousness, your sin is utterly, totally, thoroughly, absolutely replaced with purity, with goodness, with righteousness. And it's a foreign righteousness. It's not your own. It's His. Philippians chapter 3 talks about this. I might as well just pull that up while we're here. Philippians chapter 3 is one of my favorite passages. And it says, this is Paul, verse 7, whatever things were gained to me, Those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. All of Paul's religion, all of his great work in Judaism of being a great Jew, all garbage. He's saying it's all rubbish. He wants Christ. Verse 9, and he wants to be found in him, it says, that I may be found in him, in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Central to this paragraph I just read to you is that Paul did not want to be counted as having a righteousness of his own derived from the law, but the righteousness that is through faith in Christ. Furthermore, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. You see how this is different than the covenant that God was initiating with Israel? With Israel, God was saying, if you obey. That's not what this says. That's not what the gospel says. On this side of the cross, on this side of the finished work of Jesus Christ, there is no, if you obey, then this happens. That is not it. In God's program, he is now calling out to you and saying, you cannot obey. You have demonstrated that perfectly. Instead, believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ to save you from your sins and to grant you The righteousness of God on your account, once for all, never to be taken away, never to be diminished, always yours. Perfect harmony with God because you are righteous in his sight now. And this is the same God who descended on the mountain with smoke and thunder and the loud blast of a horn. It's the same God who said, you cannot gaze upon me. Now he has come to us. We can have an encounter with him through the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, and would you gaze upon Christ today and see what he has done for you and confess your sin? Repent and believe. Put all the weight of your trust on Jesus, rest in him alone, and come to enjoy this unconditional love, this unconditional relationship that you have with the God who is holy. Would you do that today? Well, that's Exodus 19. Well, it was kind of Exodus 19. It was a lot more than Exodus 19. Uh, I just, I love the Bible so much. And I love the God of the Bible so much. I hope you do too. Thanks for joining me today. God bless. And if you have any questions, reach out. Reach out uh, through Facebook, through our website, whatever. My, My website, come find me. Orchard Hills Bible Church. My name is Jeremy. Thanks for joining. God bless.